Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. I've been working as a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy for over a decade, and as a result of my exposure supporting first responders and frontline workers in my clinical role, I've become a wellness advocate and educator for first responders and frontline workers. I've seen what you go through, the pressures of the work, and the systems that often fail to support you. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life, behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. I've seen too many amazing people go down, and I want to change that trajectory. I'm on a mission to support those of you on the front lines to create a culture shift, and I long to see a future for frontline workers where a new generation of wellness-conscious workers create a revolution in how these systems work. No small feat, I know. It starts with you. You are the generation and part of a movement to claim wellness in the midst of the work. Today, we're nearing the end of our five-week series covering every angle of self-care. And our focus today is on making self-care practical. For whatever it's worth, I'm a Libra. I like balance, clarity, and all things practical. So for me, this series makes no sense without this episode. Maybe some of you are less in need of practicality and are already killing it with the tools we've talked through so far. But for those of you who are anything like me, this one's for you. Next week will be the last week of our self-care series, and it will be focused on implementing your self-care plan overcoming obstacles when you hit them, and building a routine that can't be shaken. Next week is also when the Self-Care Dare 5-Day Challenge for first responders and frontline workers will kick off. So you have until the end of the day next Monday to register. It's going to be great, especially for those of you who like things that are really concrete. Those who sign up for the Dare will get access to all kinds of bonus tools to help you kickstart a sustainable self-care plan and learn skills to really put it to work. It takes what we've covered in this series and it really gets you on the ground running. I also wanna mention that following this series on self-care, we're gonna move into a new topic and one that I'm really looking forward to. A friend and colleague reached out to me recently, sharing feedback from a first responder in her life who had indicated that right now, so many on the front lines have been surviving the work in COVID, but there has been no time and no tools around how to process what the heck has just happened to all of us. This person shared that as we move toward more vaccinations and hope that perhaps we will experience some version of a normal that we kind of faintly remember again in the not too distant future, there will be a lot to unpack and make sense of, a lot to process. And there's fear that if we don't have what we need to do that well, we may lose a lot of really good people out there who have been so burned out by this last year. 
So following this series on self-care, I intend to shift gears and focus the next several episodes on how we process something like COVID so that you're equipped with tools to make sense of what the heck you've just been through whenever you might have a chance to process it. I'm hoping to invite a few guests to talk with me during this upcoming series as well to give voice to those who have been in it alongside you and to share how we're collectively sorting through this mess to find something that matters in it all. Knowing that this is coming and that you're likely not going to want to miss it, I want to encourage you to consider subscribing for our emails to get updates about new episode releases, as well as being the first to access some of our bonus tools and resources that we create to partner with the podcast episodes. So go ahead and connect to our website to do that. For those of you listening on your preferred podcast platforms, click over to the website to sign up for our updates. It's usually in the top of your podcast platform page. You can also follow me on Facebook or Instagram, where I post about and link to new episodes each week and offer additional resources, as well as some funny things to lighten things up a bit here and there. Okay. Let's dig into today's topic around making self-care practical. Some of what I'm going to say today may be a bit of a repeat from parts of the last few episodes, because I want to remind you of where you should be focusing as you start to really pull your self-care plan together. And the first thing that's going to be a repeat is this. Your self-care plan needs to demonstrate care. One of the hazards of self-care becoming the trendy buzzword that it's become is that it can lose its true meaning. It becomes a term to suggest massages or spa days or things we quote unquote should be doing for ourselves but never have the time to do and then feel guilty and or resentful about not getting a chance to get to these things. We have to keep at the forefront of our minds that self-care is only self-care if it's caring. It must have a heart of care connected to it, or it doesn't really count. Whatever you do without a heart of care is just another job on your to-do list. And while some of it might feel nice or relaxing for a moment, it won't give you the same bang for your buck. So be sure that you're orienting your thinking and intention toward a heart of caring. This is what gets you the mileage out of it. I used this example last week. Is it caring if I ask my kid how his day was, but then mostly ignore his response while I scroll on my phone? I mean, I asked the question. It's what moms are supposed to do. But does it feel like care to him if I'm not really paying attention? and really demonstrating a heart of care in that moment. No, he's going to feel like I'm going through the motions, but not really giving a crap, which would be fair in that situation for him to feel that way. To some extent, your brain and body feel the same way about your interactions with yourself. Your brain knows when you're doing something out of obligation, and it knows that it feels different than the same action done out of genuine care. Listen to yourself, pay attention to your needs, and meet them with care. I also want to remind you that your self-care needs to fit into your actual life. What your life is like right at this moment may be different than what it will look like in a month or a year 
or five years. Try to anticipate some of the common self-care challenges, like getting sick or hurt, having a time at work where you're taking on more shifts and you're home less, or where someone in your family is sick or in need of support and may be more demanding on your time or attention. Literally, as I am working on putting together this very podcast episode, my husband is at the hospital for foot surgery. I have a pretty solid self-care plan that has been honed over many years now, and it gets regular tweaking as my life continues to shift and change. As we anticipated this surgery, we've known about it for a couple of months, I was aware that this would mean I would be taking on a lot more for several weeks, possibly months. It's his right foot, so he'll be unable to drive for quite some time, and this really impacts a lot as he's the full-time caregiver to our young kids. We don't have any family close by, and it's COVID, so while we have some amazing friends who are willing to help however they can, it's limited. I'm having to flex my work schedule to do school pickups and drop-offs, manage more meal prep since he won't be able to stand for long periods for a couple of weeks, deal with the kids' stuff and the house while still working full-time. It's a lot, and I'm aware that aspects of my self-care won't be options in ways they normally are. Thankfully, I have a really diverse plan with a lot of contingencies built in. I learned that this was necessary years ago when my main self-care was running, and then I suddenly faced a back injury that limited me from almost all physical activity for nearly two years. Back then, I had no backup plans and not much diversity to fall back on in my plan, so I sat and I wallowed and I struggled to figure out how to help myself. As a result of that discomfort and learning, I have since created a very comprehensive plan that can flex to meet all kinds of different circumstances. It isn't always perfect, nothing ever is, but I can now more quickly identify when things are starting to go off the rails, when I'm not getting enough of what I need, and I can reference my plan to come up with some ways to quickly make my way back on the track and carry forward. Remember, it's big and small moments. This is what we need to keep in mind when we build our self-care. We can't put all of our eggs in one basket using only one or two things as the crux of our care plan. Because when those things aren't options, for whatever reason, we're going to sink with the ship. And the thing is, we need you. The world needs you. And it needs you well. So get practical about what you can do when you are sick or your spouse is sick, or when a loved one passes away and you are grieving and working to support others who are grieving, life happens, shit happens, and we need to try to account for it in our planning the best we can so we're not caught up a creek without a paddle. Okay, have I beat you over the head enough with the idea that your self-care needs to be diverse and flexible? I feel like I've covered this one a lot in the last couple of weeks. I hope you're hearing that what I want for you is to be successful and that planning comprehensively is a really important part of how we make this work for us. It's kind of like the training you've done for your work. We train for as many scenarios as we can to know that there's a plan in place, a protocol to follow, even when things go a bit sideways. 
Your self-care and wellness planning should equally work to anticipate various scenarios to ensure that there's a plan for that. Another really important part of making self-care work practically is to make sure that your plan is both repeatable and consistent. Now, this might sound like it's in contradiction to flexible and diverse, but it isn't, I promise. While your plan needs to include diversity to have contingencies to be flexible to changing needs, it also needs to include actions that are repeatable and that can be engaged in with consistency. If we imagine that self-care only constitutes things like taking a spa day or going for a car ride alone for hours, these are activities that are going to have limited access on a day-to-day basis. This is part of why we need diversity and flexibility in our plan in order to permit for actions that can be repeatable and consistent. The consistency may not be in any given action, but in the overall intention of acting with care toward ourselves. The more we engage in caring ways with ourselves, the more our bodies really develop important capacities to calm, regulate, experience safety and trust, all of which are foundational to counteracting stress and working at preventing or reducing the impacts of work-related stress, burnout, and even trauma. I used the example a few minutes ago about asking my son about his day and really paying attention in order for it to feel like a caring gesture. Now, imagine for a moment that I asked the question, how was your day? Or how are you doing on a regular basis? And sometimes I listened attentively, but other times I totally ignored the answer. What starts to develop for him is confusion and difficulty knowing or trusting whether he can count on me to really show interest in care. Our bodies do the same kind of thing. If we throw ourselves a self-care bone once in a while, but we lack regularity and consistency in showing up for ourselves and paying attention to our needs responsively, our bodies get confused and they struggle to really gain the neurophysiological and psychological benefits that consistent care can offer. It leaves our brain thinking, cool, that was a nice massage, but knowing full well that it has to be like a care camel soaking up what little it can and holding that over for as long as possible. What we want to cultivate with our brains is a sense of reliability, where our brain thinks, oh great, we're getting what we need, and we can trust that it will keep on coming. This allows your brain to feel more settled and your body to restore a greater sense of calm and connection. Okay, next, remember that your self-care plan needs to transcend location and context and have accessibility in all parts of your life. This is really an invitation to get creative. You engage in active problem solving every single day. Apply those skills and get curious about where and how you can install self-care into more moments throughout your day. Do 30 seconds of square breathing after a call at work. Do some light stretching before you sit to watch TV or before you go to bed. Buy a diffuser necklace or bracelet to take your calming scent on the go. 
Find a short meditation audio to listen to when you start your day. There are tons of ways to implement self-care into the monotonous moments of everyday life. Treat it like a challenge. See how many mundane activities you can turn into self-care. Make it a competition with others you know. Brainstorm together and see what you can come up with and how much you can alter just a little bit to make it work for you. In a lot of ways, this is actually what we're going to be doing a lot of during the self-care dare if you choose to join us. This brings me to the next thing that can help make your plan practical. Share it. When we tell others about something, it tends to increase the chances of it sticking for us. There's something reinforcing about knowing that someone else knows what I'm up to. Talk to someone about your plan. When we engage with other people, we tend to maintain habits and routines more effectively. Connect with someone else. Maybe someone else who's listening to this podcast as well. And link up to be accountability partners as you navigate integrating and adapting self-care activities into your lives. Offer each other support, ideas, and commiseration when things are hard. To be honest, sometimes it's my friends who notice that my self-care is slipping long before I do. I have a couple of friends who I walk with and connect with every couple of weeks, and we're pretty open with each other about what we're up to, what we're working on, and what we're doing to help ourselves in the midst of it all. And no, they are not therapist friends, for the record. Often, it's during these walks that they hear me struggling a bit more, and they call me out on how my self-care seems to be taking a backseat to whatever crisis has arisen. I am genuinely grateful for people like this in my life, those who are sincerely invested in my life and my well-being, and are willing to have harder conversations and call me out on my shit to make sure that I keep myself as well as possible and hop back on the track when I've started falling off the rails without totally noticing it myself. I also love that these are people who are versed in skills to support themselves. So they're great to brainstorm with when I'm struggling to adapt my plan to new conditions that I didn't anticipate or expect. And they're willing to check in to see how it's going and how I'm doing as time goes on. Use your community, and if you don't have a community of support, this may be an area to really attend to, and work at seeking out a bit more actively and with discretion, seeking out the type of people who are geared toward honest, authentic, and mutual relationship. If this is an area that's difficult for you, connecting with others and engaging in mutual support, know that you're not alone and that this is a topic we'll come back to another time. Potentially connected to sharing your plan, the next piece in making your plan practical is to intentionally carve out a little time on a semi-regular basis for review and checking in. The reason I say this is potentially connected to sharing your plan is that sometimes people have a different sense of how you're doing than you do. They may have noticed areas of success or positive change that you aren't aware of, or they may notice areas of concern that you're blind to. Referencing people who know you and whom you trust and are feeling safe with to have these check-ins 
can be a really helpful way to get a sense of how you're developing in your self-care. Areas of strength and areas needing more attention or new areas that have come up out of nowhere. Be sure that when you invite feedback that you select people that can be honest but also conscientious of your efforts. People who can hold the tension between being sensitive to your feelings but also willing to tell it to you straight. These can feel like sensitive areas and part of your self-care can be to ensure you tread carefully into who you invite to give you feedback. You could consider asking your spouse, a close friend, or someone else who sees your ups and downs by saying something like, I've been working for the last little while on practicing more self-care to help me manage my stress. I wonder if you've noticed any changes in me and if you could help me reflect on what's going well and what I could continue working to improve on. Giving a prompt like this can help people know that you're inviting them into something that feels a bit more vulnerable, but in a way that is still asking them for help and support to get the best outcomes possible for yourself. Regardless of whether you ask for someone else's feedback, ensure you take time to step back and evaluate how your self-care plan is going. Any gaps that might need to be filled, any actions that were once helpful but seem to not be doing the trick anymore, and adjust as needed. And the last major area to focus on in making your self-care plan practical is to notice barriers and work at reducing these or adapting your self-care plan to fit within them. This is part of why regular review is important, because without it, we can get so caught up that we don't even notice barriers that are coming up or anticipate ones that may be just around the corner. Taking time to reflect just for a few minutes once in a while can really help you ensure that your plan stands the test of time and whatever else life throws at it. Noticing barriers allows you to make decisions and align your self-care priorities with the real-life constraints that we're working within. For example, do you really want a vacation to be part of your plan? Cool, but if the money isn't there for it, maybe it has to wait until next year, and maybe this year you focus on a less expensive staycation, or you get creative with your budget to prioritize the vacation over other non-essential expenses you can sacrifice. Ultimately, Your self-care plan, if done right, will have many iterations and variations over time. I hope you continue working at building your plan and keep these practical pieces in mind to make sure this isn't one more good idea that never comes to fruition in your life. When your plan is grounded in big and small moments and has the diversity to adapt to changing circumstances, It can offer protection from the impact of persistent stress. And when you do the kind of work that you do, and in the kinds of systems that you're working within, you need every bit of protection you can get. I know that it can seem a bit daunting, but don't quit on this. It allows you to invest in that emotional bank account we talked about a few weeks ago, and that bank account is what allows you to continue offering of yourself to others. Remember, when you take care of yourself, it lets you take better care of others. We all need you to do this. We need your skills, your heart for helping and care for our communities. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the ins and outs of building new routines and solidifying habits and how to do this without overwhelming ourselves, where we quit before we've even gotten going.
So if you're in the daunted place, be sure to listen in next time. Remember to sign up for the Self-Care Dare five-day challenge that kicks off next week, March 2nd, if you want help really activating a self-care plan. You'll get access to daily videos with challenges, access to a private Facebook group for support, bonus resources, and even prizes. Also, if you haven't yet, sign up for our email list to get reminders when new episodes are released and for early access to tools and resources. Thanks so much for joining me again. And as always, reach out. I love hearing from you. Until next time, stay safe.